Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is Sarah Letterman. She's an interior designer based out of New York City, known for her ability to mix patterns and melt modern and traditional elements into her projects. She cut her teeth on the industry, training for years under Tom Shear, then later launched her firm, Sarah Letterman Interiors, at the start of the pandemic. Her work has been featured in House Beautiful, Architectural Digest, Domino Magazine, and more. Sarah, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So I thought that we could focus on small spaces today because you live in New York, um, you, I imagine, design lots of spaces that maybe are a little bit more... Um, you know, conservative, it's square feet compared to what the majority of America might have. But um, obviously, based on your portfolio, I mean, so they're packed with style. And I think you probably have a lot of learnings that you can share with our listeners. So I'm excited to um, to dive into into all of your your hard fought knowledge. I'm very excited to share. And do you want to just maybe kind of start and give us a little background? I am I'm a huge Tom Shearer fan, as I'm sure you probably are as well. Yes. Um, so just curious kind of how you got into the design world and, um, you know, kind of how your career has evolved since kind of starting out. After college, I did a brief stint in fashion and I just was like, this isn't for me, but I knew I wanted to do something creative. Um, and I ended up going back to New York School of Interior Design. During that time, I actually got an internship with Bunny Williams, um, who I know you guys are familiar with. Um, and so that was sort of the beginning for me. I worked there for about a year. And then I ended up going to intern for Tom, ended up getting hired about six months later. And, you know, I thought that I would work for someone for a few years. And the goal was always to be out on my own. But I actually just loved the atmosphere so much that I ended up staying for like seven years. Learned so much from him. And, you know, I feel like that training and that background really helped me build the confidence to feel like I could go out on my own and take full scale jobs without feeling intimidated. And so for me, working for someone else was it was really important. Before you joined Tom's team, which you have said, or even Bunny's team, what would you have said your sort of style was and how would you describe it now? It's interesting. I feel like your style definitely evolves with the person that you're working for. So I think when I worked for Bunny, I was a touch more traditional than I am now. Now I, you know, Tom always inserted little modern things into projects. And so I do feel like now I also strive for that balance of sort of like a classic base. Like I always like to start with sort of a traditional base, like good upholstery, but maybe upholstered in fresh new fabrics. Um, I feel like that allows you to keep your furniture forever. Like if you have good upholstery in classic forms, you could bring that to any home, you know? Yeah. And I love how we always sort of adds like irreverent touches you know i always think of like a giant paper lantern when i think of his work it's so funny because i feel like i've sort of stolen that from him too i've used like four noguchi paper balls since i've gone out on my own in the past couple years but they're classic i mean and they're affordable and i feel like they're one of those things that it's such a stylish element even if you're on a budget or let's say you can't put something heavy on the ceiling. If you need to plug something in, they come with a plug. Like, you know, it's a hard one to get away from. Oh, totally. And I also just love how it sort of brings the temperature down a little bit or like the formality, you know, it like kind of feels like, oh, yeah, like I could walk in here and have a casual conversation, drink a cup. You know, it's just I think more comfortable that I took away from him, too, is I know I wouldn't say that my style is all that formal things that are comfortable that you can walk into and feel like not intimidated and easy to live in. No, I agree with all of your comments so far. And I have loved 
looking at your work, Sarah, because I just feel like your spaces do look that comfortable, like you speak of, especially knowing that you have two small kids at, at home. I am just blown away by how fresh your space looks. Very yeah, let's talk, let's talk about your apartment because, and I suggest everyone go check out your space that's on Domino, Domino's website because you took kind of a pre-war apartment and, you know, lightly updated it, updated the bathrooms. But maybe you could give us a little description of the the apartment and maybe we could talk also about design advice that you did not take when moving in from the design advice from your mom and your architect. Yeah. So it's funny. We, we looked at a lot of apartments and when we saw the one that we live in now, we were just like, this is it. This is our home. We knew it. But it had allocated a lot of space to the front hall. And so the back is a little bit of a maze of bedrooms and like our kitchens in the back. And like, there's a big chunk of real estate that is devoted to the front hall. And so everyone, you know, I brought my mom and she was like, you need to reconfigure this and like absorb some of that space into like real livable space. And I was just like, I don't have the stomach to like gut this place and really go there. But I was like, I actually feel like this front hall might serve some use in my life. And I do feel like having two small children, having a dog, it's the biggest sort of length of space for them to just like run and get their yayas out. And, you know, they scoot up and down in there. Like sometimes I let them use their scooters and they have little relay races in there. In the morning, we use that space to like you know, it's a mad dash to get out the door, putting on backpacks, putting on our shoes, everything. So I also feel like it has it makes our apartment feel a little bit more open that you come in and you open into you come into sort of a gracious front hall. And then like, even though it's a bit of a maze in the back, like it comes in and it gives the appearance that it feels a little bit larger. So for me, it's, you know, it's hard for me now. If we were to move, it's like, I don't think I can let go of this front hall thing. <laughs> Well, it's one of those wonderful spaces, like you said, that you, again, it seems like it's allocated for one thing, but you've realized that it it seems to be such a congregation of space. And to be able to put on shoes and book bags is, you know, a lot of people don't have that in an entry space either. It's a and little bit decorated. Yeah, I mean, it's a total workhorse. I will say in the Domino article, it doesn't show the two strollers that I have perked in the hall <laughs> because living in a Manhattan freeware building there's no space on the landing to keep them so i'm like where do people keep their strollers when they don't have a place in their apartment <laughs> you know i think there yeah i think you found it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell our listeners a little bit about how you decorated it because it certainly does not look like a kid's space it's so put together and polished mm -hmm. but as i was kind of studying the images i felt like there were a couple little like oh maybe she's hiding some stuff in there like that looks oh clutter and were you all of it? Just like, okay, I'm trying to think how does... You're looking for the mess. I know what you're... Yeah. The mess, but like the, yeah. the functional elements that make it really a yeah. functioning hall and not just a beautiful hall, you know? <laughs> well, I guess not even specifically to the hall, but I feel like I'm sort of in the minority because I don't necessarily choose specific items that I think are like kid-friendly. I feel like my kids have learn to live with things that are not necessarily childproof and they treat the things in our home with care and respect. But that said, they're given full run of my apartment, you know, like there's nowhere that's off limits to them. So if there's one thing that I guess I like specifically take into consideration, and I think this does apply to the front hall, is it's like sort of the flow of the apartment. So even in my living room, like there are empty pockets of space where like they could sit into a puzzle. Um, all the built-ins in my li living room, you know, like above the shelves um, are styled with coffee table books and adult objet, but then below all the clothes shelving is completely filled with toys. So that's sort of one of the ways that I guess I've designed for them, but it's not like, you know, I'm putting bumpers on my coffee tables or like, it has to still feel like me. I, I'm, I'm a decorator. I want to feel like my space is representative of me, but um, making sure that there's space for them to run and play is important to me. Well, okay, let's talk about storage because you are in a small space. You mentioned your your built-ins in your living room. Are there any other little spaces that you feel like people might overlook or tricks that you employ to make sure you've got plenty of storage in a small space? 
Yeah. So my younger daughter um, is in what used to be called a maid's room in the back. And it's this small little room that has all these weird niches. And at first we were like, how are we going to have a child in here? Like we can barely fit a crib. How are we like, there's not room for a changing table. Um, How's it going to function for us? And what we basically did is maximized all of those weird little niches. So her crib is in one. In the other one, we had a mill worker build out this little space and make it into a dresser with adjustable shelves above. So when she was born, it was like a little changing table. And now that she is out of diapers, we have made it into like a styled bookcase and it has her clothes below. And so I think it's just important in those small spaces to figure out a way to make sure you get storage. Um, and sometimes I feel like leaving them empty weirdly makes the room feel smaller like filling them in um maximizes the potential of the room okay here's something that i've been dealing with recently and now i'm like have to know how you do with it okay you have two girls right yes these are two girls what do you do with clothes storage where like you're passing things on to your next because i feel like clothes storage for kids is like it takes up so much room do you- so I don't even want to tell you right now that there's three large Tupperware bins in my dining room of clothes storage. <laughs> but great. It's not just they are. Yeah. I do have a storage unit in my basement. Like everyone's allocated a small like locker size storage unit. So what I try to do is be ruthless about sort of culling through my daughter's, my older daughter's clothes, putting things away, putting it down in the storage basement, like labeled by age. And then you know, bringing it back up when my younger daughter's ready to wear it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm constantly like, what can I get rid of? Like toys, clothes. As soon as my younger daughter grows out of something, it's gone. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just thinking that because I'm like, oh, yeah, if they have, if you have limited closet space, it's already challenging just to have the clothes you're wearing. But then when you have kids and multiple kids, Especially with this 100, 100%. And, and even in my own bedroom, we have this really small closet that, and this actually I think is a big part of small space living. Um, we had an organizer help us move into my apartment because I was like, yeah. how am I going to fit everything in here with like limited closet space? We have this little closet in our bedroom and she was like, oh, your husband's getting that closet. And I was like, wait, what do you think he's getting the only closet? <laughs> And she was like, I'm telling you, this is how it's going to be. So I basically live in this wall of built-ins in my bedroom. But I think the key is having the systems in place and being super organized. So, you know, this organizer helped us move in over five years ago. And all of the systems that she put in place for us are still like we still fold our clothes the way that she showed us how to. Everything in my kitchen is still labeled it in the spots that she said to put it. And I think if you have someone who's really good and can put those systems in place for you, you can maintain it for a really long time. Totally. And I always think about that when you do see, you know, all of those amazing organizers on Instagram or whatever. And you're like, OK, this looks great right now. But what is it going to look like? It's so funny because like as a designer, I feel like I'm pretty good with space. But somehow the organizational part of it is just like mm -hmm. not my forte. And I think it was the one of the most worthwhile expenses when we moved in was having her come and just kickstart that process because there's just no way that everything could fit. And and I'm like a neat freak where everything has to be in its place. So, you know, at the end of the day, my kids have to clean up their toys, put them back in the allocated bin. It's like, I don't want to sit in my living room when it's completely strewn with like Legos and magnetiles at the end of the day, you know? Where are all these little shoes? Okay, so I also had completely raw closets when I built when I sorry, when I moved in and we built them out with like little shelves. So in my kids rooms um, in the closet, they're on these little shelves. And then I have no room for shoes in my built in that I live out of. So I took my front hall closet and also built shelves in there and I keep my shoes in there. So it's okay. I, again, I think so much of this comes down to organization and okay systems you know and having the right and doing it right probably the first time too versus yeah i think rather than like moving in and throwing all of our stuff in closets like getting it right as we were moving in was a big part of this you know like feeling settled in our home and like i i do feel like 
we're outgrowing our space a little bit. Maybe it's just because my kids are like hoarders and don't ever want to get rid of anything. But the fact that we keep it super organized is what has allowed us to feel like we're still comfortable. We could make this place last for like five more years, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's such good that you and your girls are organized enough that that is the case, right? Like you're teaching them. It's a, it's a work in progress, the the kids being organized for. But yeah, at the end of the day, I, I'm like, okay, who's going to clean this up? We're going to sing the cleanup song now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about the bins. Like, do, do you have your kids reading? Like, what? how do you, how do they know what bins everything goes in? I think because we've lived here for so long, they know that like, for instance, in my living room, there's like one of the built-ins underneath is filled with books. One is the Lego section. It's not even, they don't even have to read the labels. They just are familiar with where okay. things go at this point. <laughs> Caroline said that was a tip for her. She was like, oh, out of my, I was like, well, no, I mean, I have the, how <laughs> I'm supposed to, I'm joking. I'm gonna, uh, oh, I, I have a bunch of bins and similar to you, like it's up top, it's like display mm-hmm. for books and pottery or whatever. And then below it's all the kids' toys. But most of the time, I'm just like, if it's behind the door, that's all that's I care right. about. If it's yeah. in the wrong bin or if it's not in a bin at all, that's fine. Like a loose puzzle piece. Okay, fine. Right. You can live with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to backtrack a second to your youngest um, bedroom that has the beautiful wallpaper. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you you utilized every nook and cranny of it. You even wallpapered, like, I assume a support beam that was necessary, like, in the, in the wallpaper, which was amazing, by the way. But my real um, call out, I think for even everyone listening, is your acrylic shelves that you have put in both of your girls' rooms um, over wallpaper look fantastic. Um, just the fact that, again, and you even speak to it in the article with Domino about how, you know, you didn't want to layer on top of this beautiful wallpaper. And so you've found these beautiful cube acrylic and even the bookshelf that's acrylic looks so good because you still get that pattern coming through. So I think for anyone who's doing, again, some kind of wall treatment, it is such a great um visual and it doesn't take up much space and utilization too so yeah i think i love using wallpaper in small spaces because i feel like people shouldn't be i guess what i'm saying is people shouldn't be afraid to have fun in small spaces and i think a lot of people think that you should paint a small space away because like that'll make it feel bigger or something but i actually find that um the opposite that so like if you fully wallpaper a small space it can make it feel layered exciting cozy um you know when people go into my younger daughter's bedroom they're always like wow look at this magical jungle we wouldn't have expected to see this in this little small room in the back and for her especially yeah there were so many weird nooks and crannies and i was like let's just wallpaper it all and it sort of camouflages you know that weird structural beam there's an air conditioner condenser um, and I feel like all of those things are just less obvious because your eye is just drawn to the fact that it's like this little where the wild things are um, magic moment. And then in terms of the acrylic shelving, I just felt like, you know what? I love my wallpapers that I chose so much. Why cover them up? And, and we needed some storage for books. And I love that. So in my older daughter's room, which has this like blue gingham wallpaper, she has these flat shelves and we displayed all of her books because it's really fun at night for her to be able to see all of her books out and choose which one we're going to read. She gets to choose two books a night. And then in my younger daughter's room, again, it was just like such a lack of storage. We needed a little extra shelving for toys and stuff. And it it just doesn't take up much room visually. So it was a good solution there. Yeah, I love the note of wallpaper is camouflage. You know, mm-hmm. it hides all sort of weird little imperfections. Um, and I I totally agree about the wallpaper thing. It almost, it's like, if it draws your eye to the walls, it almost makes the wall feel bigger or something. Whereas if it's just white and empty, I don't know. I don't know why. It doesn't make logic. Yeah, no, I might have died. It does, yeah. And and sometimes even painting, like leaning into a small space and painting it a dark, like let's say you're going with like a dark blue or something. I feel like that can often make it feel bigger. And again, like, or make it feel cozy, you know, like it's just a whole vibe when you lean into these small spaces. And we see so many of them in New York. So many people have this like little bonus room that has to serve as a guest room, an office, a playroom. It has to function as so many different things. 
And I think if you just leave it as a white box, it's just like a missed opportunity. No, it it truly is just another space that you could, again, make special and every space should be special, especially when you only have so much square footage. Um, Love all the space. Um, Can we talk about your living room? Because, again, I know you have the built-ins in there. And Mm -hmm. somehow, again, in what I assume is not a very large room, you have fit six chairs. So I wanted you to talk about scale because I was like, that's amazing. Or no. Not six. I apologize. A sofa and four chairs. And yeah. um, I apologize. I was counting like butts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It can seat. Yes, it can seat six. Excuse me. That was um, unladylike. Yes, you have a sofa and four chairs. So um, will you talk to us about scaling that correctly? Because I think that's something people are challenged with often and ask or, you know, ask us about. So something that was important to us specifically to my husband is he was like, I want big, comfortable swivel chairs. Like he was like, I want to be able to sit in a swivel chair and just comfortably watch the TV. Please don't take that away from me. Make it functional. You know, so um, the sofa was a sofa that we had in our old apartment. It's a restoration hardware sofa. It came with us. There's, you know, it's lasted many years. Um, And then we the next thing that we got were these big swivel chairs And then we had always had this little pair of Danish chairs. And I think the fact that they have low backs is what makes them work sort of with their back to the television because they don't obstruct that view across the room and they take up a pretty minimal footprint. So I feel like, you know, I don't typically get people so much big clunky upholstery. I think it's about mixing sort of the bigger, plusher, more comfortable pieces with maybe some lighter vintage pieces or, you know, open armchairs or bent wood or something that, you know, speaks to your style and has a little bit of a lighter footprint. Okay, Sarah, riddle me this. Why are chairs now so big? Maybe this is a question I can ask our upholstery merchant, but it is hard to find that little <laughs> footprint that you're talking about with your sw- with your Danish, Danish chairs. Well, it's really funny because you guys used to make this chair called the Wembley. Do you remember this chair? was a chair. Tom loved that chair. Yes. And we used it all the time because it was like the best scale ever. And I think it's so sad that you guys discontinued it because every single person that used to work for Tom Shearer, they all want the Wembley chair because it was like it was the perfect size and it had these cute little sort of like curved arms. And I do agree with you that upholstery has gotten really oversized. And I think, you know, not everyone wants to spend money on custom upholstery. So you just have to make it work. I think a lot of times I come in and like, like I said, like my husband, for instance, he wanted like that big oversized plush chair. Sometimes I give people one and then the chair across from it is the more petite one or maybe only one swivels. Yeah, I couldn't tell you why upholstery has gotten so oversized. <laughs> I'm going to mention that to our merchant and be like, hey, when you bring the Wembley. Bring back that Wembley chair. Because I, I, I kind of have the same thing. It's like I've got a big sectional and I could fit probably two chairs, but it would have to be a very small size. And I do find it very difficult to find that if the only place I've ever found it is just looking at, at old like vintage chairs or antique chairs because um, everything else is just it's really deep. No. I was hoping yeah. maybe you had some secret Source. I wish I had a. I mean, my secret source is custom upholstery, but it's like mm-hmm. it's not in everyone's budget to do custom upholstery. Yeah. Um, so you can you can do anything if you make it custom. Um, but my clients live in more of a mix and match world where we're getting some custom stuff and some stuff from catalogs, and like usually not everything is custom. So it's sort of like where do you, do you want a custom sofa or do you want to get a sofa from a catalog and maybe we get a custom chair and get it in a beautiful COM print, you know, customer's own material and we can buy it. And like, that's where you put your sort of mark on the space. Um, but it's usually not everything custom. So yeah, it's figuring out um, what pieces are you going to get that you can make smaller and what pieces are you going to get that, you know, you find and they happen to work in a space. Yeah. Well, it is so hard, too, because each, and I'm sure you find this with your clients, some people have larger homes and some have smaller. And so, again, the scale in different spaces, you know, is hard. Uh, 
it it varies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even even if you're working in Manhattan and it's, you know, large for Manhattan, it's still not the same as like some big house in the suburbs. There's still always space constraints. And I I think I just said constraints, but I meant constraint. What is the word? The yeah. <laughs> It's some variation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like there's, there's still always space constraints. And, and because I work with so many young families, so many rooms do have to serve so many purposes, you know, um, kids are, kids are playing in the living room. There's often, like I said, that little bonus room that has to be an office. It has to be a playroom, um, or a guest bedroom has to be this or that. So there's always like that discussion of like, how are we going to maximize the function of all these rooms? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to actually ask about your living room more in the context of like, you only have one living room and how to make it. Like, I love the idea that it's, you know, dressed up and polished enough for entertaining, but then, you know, livable enough to where, like you said, your kids are playing with their Legos on the floor or whatever. Are there any, you know, is there any advice that you would give to someone who was trying to sort of check off both sides of the? the uh, um, I think uh, materials are a big thing. So, um, you know, I have a performance velvet on my sofa and it still looks like it's in great condition. Um, I actually the sofa had come with back pillows and I just threw them away because I felt like they always looked messy. And my kids were always like jumping on them. And so I threw them away. And instead, I just put my own sort of like throw pillows along the back and like yeah they messed them up but like I'll rearrange them and I felt like it also was a way for me in my space to have that added layer like layering with textiles I think it's nice too um and stain treating everything you know I stain treated those two big chairs because like I also have a dog and he sits on one of those chairs all the time I have a wool rug because it's easy to clean so it's not like we're living this like perfect life over here. My kids are not like complete angels. Like I let them sometimes have snack in there and I just don't worry too much about the fragility of the materials. But to your point, you don't have to because you planned in advance and kind of invested smartly. And in I mean, listen, I still used a beautiful fabric that I had always wanted to use on those two chairs, but we made sure to stain treat them. And I feel like velvet is an elevated material too. So I think just being thoughtful about what you use, it can still feel, you know, chic and pulled together while having children live in your home. Another space that um, I also noticed is you have, you have such beautiful bathrooms, but you've also, again, kind of extended even those spaces in the sense of you've got these little shelves built in with the tile that you've like made inside your shower. And again, it's nothing that protrudes too far or anything like that but it's a beautiful element but it also provides um function and i thought they were beautiful so thank you so much well my kids bathroom which has these little hand-painted terracotta tiles from tabarka it is also basically the guest bathroom you know it sort of serves as a powder room and my kids bathroom and it's like well how do you make a kid's bathroom feel pulled together enough for when you're entertaining and people come over and I don't want them to feel like, oh, they just walked into my kid's bathtub filled with like Barbie mermaids. You know what I mean? So um, we disguise a lot of things behind a shower curtain for one, but I also think putting in a tile that feels youthful and playful, like my kids love that they have this sort of flowery bathroom, but it also feels elevated enough that I, you know, when guests go in there, they feel like it feels like a little jewel box the lighting is on dimmers so we can make it sort of a mood if we're having a dinner party you know there are days where it feels like total kid bathroom like it has a stool with my daughter's name those little puzzle pieces for like when she brushes her teeth and like the bathtub is filled with toys but like you said we have a niche and we try to be organized and put things away and it's interesting because it's definitely one of those new york things where like we don't have a powder room you know like we have a kid's bathroom that is also for guests so Again, it just comes down to that multi-use. How can one room function as two things? I have to say, I think shower curtains are highly underrated. And everyone, why do you do it? So it's a glass shower. shower. I know. I know. I feel like a lot of clients want the glass shower. They feel like it's cleaner, but it's like it actually requires so much maintenance to like wipe it down and 
then you have to be tidy behind it. You know, I have this shower curtain in my kids' room and it's like another beautiful textile, I feel like. And I don't have to clean up what's behind there. I just sort of draw it closed, you know? Totally. And uh, and also, how annoying is that glass shower door when you're trying to bathe your kids? Like, that yeah, I, never checks out to me. No, I never understand that either because you've got to, like, kneel on the floor and get in the tub. And Yeah, um, but if they got back like there... If I, if I had that glass enclosure, it really wouldn't feel like a powder room because, like, you would just see my kids' toys in bottles of shampoo and stuff where mm-hmm. I just wanted it to feel like it could be a whole mood in the evening, you know? Yeah. And and to your point, like bathrooms are often so like hard anyway, you know, they've got all the tile and the glass and the metal. And so we're always talking about ways to add softness. And so. Like, yeah, I mean, I think also the sconces help in there because we have like these little woven paper shades. So not everything feels so hard. Um, I feel like we added a lot of things that sort of soften the room. Yeah. No, totally. And and the shower curtain is just another way that other people can do it. But if but nobody ever wants to use a shower curtain. Anyway, I know. Well, I do feel like there are um, there are not enough good shower curtain options out there. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like you guys yeah. make us some nice block printed shower curtains. Yeah, I love that. I I agree. It's like they're always just plain white. I'm like, I want something a little jazzier. Yeah, no, I don't do a plain white shower curtain. I'll search to the end of the earth to find <laughs> a better shower curtain. Mm-hmm. Or make something custom. Take a really nice textile and hem the bottom of it and throw it on some hooks, you know? Yeah. My girl's shower curtain is a shower curtain that I got from Anthropology my first for my first apartment. <laughs> That's funny. Mine has Anthropology also. So, yeah, it's just stunning. Good. Again, in another piece of your work, I thought it was so great how you took a an angled wall that was uh, it was a set of windows and what looked like a bay windows sort of in the front of a home and it was angled and you have paired it so well with a curved sofa that it just looks like it is custom. Is that a custom sofa? Yes. So that is a client's townhouse. So that is one of mm-hmm. the larger spaces, I would say, for me, you know, mm-hmm. it actually is a very narrow townhouse. But for New York, I would say that they have, you know, a fair amount of space. But the whole front of the townhouse is bowed. And so the trick was, how do we maximize that space? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a nice place to sit. It's faces the street. Um, and so the husband, when he brought me in, he tasked me with, I really want to maximize in the living room, the bowed window. And so we had an upholsterer come in, template the curve. I had found this amazing vintage Danish piece on first dibs. And we took that as inspiration to do a little armless bank. And they have small children, too. They have three kids. So the living room, they wanted to have, again, like a dual purpose moment. They wanted to be able to, like, have their kids have a place where they could do homework, sit and have snack. And that sort of exists at that little pedestal table. But there's another seating arrangement that has an ottoman in front of it with the sofa that's you know, more of the, I mean, it could all be used for entertaining, but the idea behind the little curved banquette piece and the pedestal table was like, okay, so that's where you guys are going to do puzzles, play card games, have snack, homework can happen there. Um, so again, multi-verse, multi-use rooms. <laughs> I loved that room. I loved the color palette, you know, kind of that mustardy yellow with the, um, would you call that teal green or like kind of a green? I don't know. Maybe it's it's sort of a blue green. It's yeah, it's sort of a blue green. It's an auto line fabric that the green sort of comes from. It's this British um, textile designer that I love. Um, and it's a young family and they just they felt like they had bought this, you know, sort of Victorian style townhouse. So there were a lot of those like dark brown traditional details that you see. And they wanted to preserve those details, but they were sort of like, how can we make it still feel fun and like a young family lives here? So my way of doing that is saying, okay, I hear you. We're not painting over the brown woodwork, but I think we need to inject pops of color where we can and make it feel like fun and exciting and lively. And, you know, I feel like it always feels like brig in that room to me because it has that Lake August fabric with I think it's called nasturtium. It's like those little orange flowers and it has like mm-hmm. po- that poppy stripe. 
Um, and it across from that room is their dining room. And that's also wallpapered in like a leafy wallpaper that's green with little yellow birds in it. So I feel like both spaces sort of play off of each other and they feel light and fun, despite the fact that there's a lot of like heavy dark brown woodwork in both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was such a fun. Yeah, it felt fun and lively and yeah, lighthearted. I, yeah, that was so pretty. It's it, it's kind of funny to think about like, you know, um, you sort of. I feel like there are sort of two ways to go about your your living space when you have kids. Either you kind of want this sort of adult these adult spaces, then you have kids spaces. But you know, you've kind of created this, I guess, balance where they are both. It looks, you know, grown up, but it's so colorful that it feels lively enough to have kids there. So I kind of love that idea and I, yeah and and again like i feel like it's a materials thing like we put mohair on the sofa because like i would use mohair in a contract application you know kids can it, it looks like a it, it is a chic custom sofa in a luxurious fabric but that can withstand you know stains and all kinds of things like that mm -hmm. it's so great looking i feel like everyone needs to go look at your, your portfolio portfolio what about layering? Because you do that so beautifully with fabrics. Um, do you have any kind of like frame of reference you keep in mind as you're, you know, building your your layers for the room or planning them or tips that you might I have? Love, I love that last layer. It's like one of my favorite things. And I feel like for a lot of designers, and I hear this a lot, I think it is hard to get the client to complete that last layer because they're sort of like burnt out on the job by that point. And it's like, do you have to show them each coffee table book that you want to purchase or each vase or each whatever? And so at some point during the pandemic, I was, you know, everyone was home and I was like, I have this idea for a secondary business. And I started just buying accessories and I now have them in my office and I do sort of like buy appointment sales of accessories as like a secondary business. But it has also really played into my interior design business because at the end of a job I have all the accessories and I can just bring them in and be like what do you like whatever you like you can keep um and then I think you know even in small spaces just like bringing it back to the small space thing as much as in a large space I think it's important to create little vignettes that bring you joy I mean I have those all around my apartment and I think the key is that it just needs to be really intentional. And like, once you're done, you're done, you know, like, so I like have accessorized my apartment and now like I see things that I like sometimes, but it's like, no, you're cut off. Like everything looks as it should. One more, I often try to put one more thing and I'm like, no, no, like it can't take one more thing. So it's like, you can't really be a collector. You know what I mean? You have to just be super thoughtful and intentional when you live in a Manhattan apartment and say like, okay, this looks great with this coffee table book and this candle and this vase. And now I'm done and I'm not touching it anymore. Yeah. I feel like when you, when you live in a small space, the collector mm -hmm. thing is tricky because you've either got to stop or you've got to get sprint of something. And Right. Right. Like I got to a place in my apartment where I was like, I'm sad. I have, there's nothing left to buy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it's done. It's done. At a certain point, you just have to walk away and be like, it looks as it should. And anything more will make it feel messy and cluttered, you know? Yeah. It's hard. How do you know when you've reached your, your cutoff point? That's a hard one. I feel like that's just like trade secret. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or like, I just, I just feel it. I'm just like, I, I just look at it. And I'm like, no, I feel like my stuff is eating me. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it, it can't, you can't have too much stuff out. Um, it's really nice for me in my apartment that I have these built-in bookshelves because that allows me to change things up when I feel that like itch to, you know, judge. Like when my husband's like, did you move something again? And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't buy anything. I just like moved this one into this, you know, bookshelf and moved those books over there. And actually, I decided that maybe they should be by category instead of by like whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to recognize when you're done because there's a fine line between being accessorized and cluttered. And, and it's hard for me to say exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. 
You can feel it though. <laughs> you can feel it. You can feel it. When you walk into a space and you're like, okay, you need to get rid of like 10 things. <laughs> yeah. I find it's easier mm -hmm. to see that line when it's someone else's space. It's much harder in your own space. I don't know. I felt like whenever I was working on our photo shoots and like doing styling, it's really easy to see that when that puzzle piece finally fits. But like when it's in your own home, like your judgment is just clouded a little bit, you know, because you're totally. sentimental about things. And you're also thinking like, well, I paid, you know, whatever amount for that um, that thing. And so I have to use it, even if it doesn't really work. You just you kind of have mm -hmm. I think we should do a decorating dilemma. We have a question from Dad, Jenna. And this is a really good one. <laughs> so I'm excited to um, go through it. Okay. So it is long. So everybody strap in. I'm going to read it and then we'll answer. Hi, Ballard Designs podcast team. I'm a longtime listener, but this is my first time sending in a design dilemma. My husband and I have spent the last two years designing and building our home and just recently moved in about six months ago. Little by little, we're setting up each room and finishing a lot of leftover projects. However, the den just has me stumped. For starters, the room feels very much like a garage sale of mismatched furniture with almost everything against the walls. We have four children um, from infants to 13 years, and my hope is for the den that it will be a room where the kids can watch TV, do crafts, play, overall just a hangout room. The idea is that some of the mess that comes with all of that day-to-day -day stuff can be tucked away the main living room stays a bit more presentable. Okay, so yeah, she's got the two separate living rooms, and this is the one that the kids get to have their way with. <laughs> Things we really need in this space. Comfortable seating for at least a few bodies at a time, some kind of table or desk for crafts, snacks, and occasional homework. The TV, it's newer. It's the only one we have for the kids to watch shows and movies. Things I'd really like in this space, uh, my family's grand piano, which is sentimental, and there's nowhere else for it. So, with all of that said, we originally planned to add bookshelves and a window seat around the window. However, our cabinetry elsewhere went over budget, so we had to scratch that, the original plans. But I'd like to add it in a year or two if you think it would work. Could you or your guest offer advice on the best way to start this room with the multifunction goals I have in mind? Thank you so much for your time and effort with the podcast and specifically to the guest helping out today. I can't tell you how many episodes I've listened to over the last few years, maybe all of them, and how much they have helped and continued to help me design our home. Jenna, that's 300 episodes. So thank you so much for <laughs> hanging in here with us. <laughs> okay, y'all, her room is, and her home is gorgeous. I yeah, I feel like you need to explain to the readers that this is like, a, the bones of this room are beautiful to start with. <laughs> totally um yeah so this room it sort of comes off the kitchen um it's got a big wide doorway and it has i guess um sort of like tongue and groove paneling on all the walls and the ceiling it looks like a really pretty kind of blue gray green color she's got like this great big woven chandelier there's a big window kind of straight as you walk in in front of you and then to the left there's a television mounted on the wall and she's got like a sofa some chairs and mismatched furniture so sarah any suggestions what do you think so i think that she should put a craft table in front of the big window and you know with like three chairs around it or something it could even be that pedestal table that she's got tucked in the corner right now um and that would be the place to do homework eat snack whatever um I think she needs to get matching side tables on either side of the sofa and I would put lamps on top of them. I think that that would help tie it together. And then I think she should get some sort of bookshelves for either side of the TV slash, you know, the pianos under the TV. And I think that if she puts sort of nice, properly sized baskets from like the container store or something in there, that would be a way to store crafts, toys, etc. Um, and she could do that for cheaper than you know, building out a whole wall with custom mall work. If she needed extra storage, she could potentially put like an ottoman in front of the sofa that has storage in it. I think one of the biggest things for me is that the rug feels a little bit undersized. And sometimes I feel like an undersized rug actually shrinks the space and that a larger area rug would make it feel bigger. So that's like one of my big takeaways. And then I think she just needs finishing touches, like, you know, a cool big piece of art over the sofa and like 
It could even be homemade kids art that you frame in an interesting way or something. Like it doesn't have to be an expensive thing, but I think something large scale over the sofa would help that room. Maybe some fun pillows on the sofa. And then for extra seating, I mean, I feel like kids always like like a poop or something. So like let the adults sit on the sofa and get some poops for the kids um, Mm -hmm. to get some extra seating. You know, those are my those are my biggest takeaways. So should what what about her piano? Should she leave it where it is? Well, she's saying she doesn't have anywhere else to put it. And like not offending me so much under the TV. I think she just needs mm-hmm. to maximize that wall to put storage on either side of it because mm-hmm. otherwise that's when that's when the clutter comes. I feel like she needs baskets and somewhere to put like art supplies, homework stuff, toys. So I think if she had a tall pair of bookshelves on either side, she could accomplish that. Okay, what if she kind of did what you did for your clients in that townhouse? She used her sort of round pedestals table in front of the window, like you said, but then she added like mm-hmm. a cat or something or like a low upholstered It's bench. hard for me to tell what the sill height is. I certainly would, yeah. you know, eat into any window space. Um, That's true. She could potentially put a bench, but I do feel like she would have adequate room to, to put like, you know, one chair on one side of the windows, another chair on another, and then a third one that's sort of like in the room. And it could be like a square table that one side is pushed up against the windows or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you really just, it's the, it's the finishing touches here. It's not necessarily getting all new stuff. Except Ruby and Carrie Bones. Right. I think she needs some storage. I think the side tables are mismatched. And to like, to her point, I think the thing that could tie this room together is a matching pair of side tables and maybe a matching pair of lamps. And then again, finishing touches, Um, a bigger rug, a big piece of art, some cute throw pillows and storage. Yeah. I like the idea of the kids doing some art over the sofa, like get like a, a 36 by 72 inch canvas and just have them like yeah well jackson pollock and my daughter comes home with so much art like so much big art and i'm always like i should take this to the framer and like do something with it i have not one single wall left to hang something but like this is calling for it like it's a fun kids room like you know display their display their work yeah that could be fun maybe just like a giant oh well never mind she could also <laughs> like a grid. She could also do like a grid of nine smaller pieces of artwork or something. But I just feel like the room feels a little bare right now. Like it's calling for something on the walls. Yeah, yeah. It seems like she does have tall ceilings in here. So I feel like if she does when she does sort of lamps and side tables, like a big lamp. And yeah, to your point, like a big piece of artwork or grouping, just because I think that sofa looks so tiny on the wall. You know. Um, I don't know if it is just a small scale, but or maybe I also was thinking like, could she get a bigger sofa? But I do think she will need a pair of side tables, and it would be nice to have a pair of lamps in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to tie it all together. The sofa isn't really, you know. I think the sofa she could keep. I think for but, me, the bigger problem is the undersized rug. Mm-hmm. Could she just do like a very large natural fiber underneath it? Or do you think just one really big is, is the better? I think that I'm like my um, employee always says to me, she's like, you hate that layering look. And it's like, I just sort of do. I don't know why. I don't think it does anything for anyone. Like, why do you need two rugs? You know, mm-hmm. um, I prefer. Yeah. If she put like a, you know, a large sisal or something in there. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe just relocate it because it looks like a pretty rug, but maybe just move it somewhere else. Right. Agree. I th- I like that. I like that pedestal table she has. It's kind of a, it's like a pretty. I like it too. That's why I'm thinking she could yeah. reuse it mm-hmm. as the crafts table in front of the window. And it would be a nice thing to sort of, because her, ki- like if you're standing in her kitchen, you look right down at that window and it's a nice piece of furniture to see sort of at the end of that view. What about window treatments on that um, window? I mean, if budget allows, always window treatments. I think um, she could get a nice pair of curtains, you know? Mm-hmm. there's definitely room for that i think um get a nice unlacquered brass rod and some pretty curtains in there and that could for sure be a really nice layering element you know potentially taking the same fabric as the curtains and making a couple of pillows for the sofa you know 
<laughs> Those are sort of the finishing touches that I feel like make your space feel a little more decorated. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, I it looks like she just moved in just based on. Yeah. It looks like leftover furniture was sort of put in here. And I think the things that I think the chair probably has to go and those side tables, but I don't see any reason why she can't keep the sofa and the pedestal table and the piano if that's if that's the place that it has to go. Alternatively, if she finds another place for the piano, I think she could get some sort of a credenza with storage and create that, you know, TV wall where you see like the storage piece beneath and the bookshelves on either side. And that's where I would do the storage thing rather than around the windows. Because I think, you know, it's nice to be able to work and sit in the window. Yeah. I feel like she I I feel like she should get sort of like a unpatterned panel, you know, it because it is a kid's room and like adding some more, you know, kind of like you've done in, in some of your spaces where the the textiles are a little bit more whimsical and colorful mm -hmm. and kind of like amp up the color in here a little bit. I do think, okay, we have this one drapery panel that I actually think could be kind of cute in here. It has some of your same colors. It's called the Isidore oh, Floral Drapery Panel. And it's got some, kind of some greens and blues and grays. Um, it's not like too traditional of a floral print, but it's still fun. And we also sell it in a fabric by the yard. So if you wanted to add pillows and whatnot, then you could do too. But Okay, I'm looking at it right now. I feel like that that's perfect. And it has like some of the same tones as the color of the room too. So check that one out, Jenna. <laughs> yeah. These were all great ideas, Sarah. So thank you. Thank you. But Jenna, great job building this house. I mean, mm -hmm. really, really. I want to see the rest. Let me know if you need help decorating the rest. The tiny yeah. little like sliver of the kitchen we're seeing is, mm -hmm. is incredible. So delicious. Yeah. Looks so good. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and for answering Jenna's question. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at um, Sarah W. Letterman or on my website, sarahlettermaninteriors.com. And thank you so much for having me. This was a really fun talk. I love talking about small spaces. <laughs> it's my bread and butter. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again. Yeah, it was so fun. You. And your work's beautiful. Thank you. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy, Happy decorating! decorating.